This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. of great guitar riffs throughout the years for those who aren't sure a guitar riff is essentially a melodic phrase of some sort played on the guitar usually this becomes some kind of hook for the song in question or otherwise can be the best part or the worst part of the song tonight we take a brief look at some of our personal favorites of the 21st century because this is a brief look we unfortunately do not have time for opeth otherwise yeah Opeth. It stands to reason that one of the best riffing bands of the late 20th century would continue well into the following millennium, and in the case of Melvin's this was indeed the case. And since I'm in the enviable position of having so many amazing Buzzo brand riffs to choose from, I've gone with The Kicking Machine from 2008's Nude With Boots. This was the second venture in the band's big business lineup, in which they hot-glued another perfectly good two-piece band onto their own fuselage for, I don't know, nine odd years. And the results are gloriously heavy. What makes the core riff on Kicking Machine so good is that it apes the arena rock sound made famous by certain lead balloons, while still being uncut, chaotic Melvins.
have spoken about them crooked vultures before, like quite a bit. Because despite being a supergroup that only seemingly stuck around for one album, the trio of Josh Homme, Dave Grohl, and John Paul Jones has left a lasting impression on us, with one of the best albums of an entire decade. And of course, with that lineup, each one of them gets their own time to shine. But there is no part of any Vulture's song that has stuck with me quite like one particular part of the track, No One Loves Me and Neither Do I. I mean, the riffs throughout most of the song are great, but it's that sudden change in weight that stands out. You'll see what I mean.
King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are not only perhaps my favourite band nowadays, but they're also legitimate riff-making machines. Their dedication to this goal has reached the point where the structure of entire King Giz albums has been predicated around recurring guitar motifs. It's this non-linear approach to unapologetically big guitar music that makes records like Nonagon Infinity so darned interesting. And then there's 2014's I'm In Your Mind Fuzz, which, now I'm saying it, definitely sounds like a threat. The first chunk of the record carries a single mutant surf riff as it evolves across three tracks before finally looping back on itself in a massive reprise. This is the second part of that riffological life cycle entitled I'm Not In Your Mind. Sure, whatever you say. <laughs> Plenty of fantastic riffs. Supermassive Black Hole, Hysteria, Knights of Cydonia, Hyper Music, even the song of theirs we played last week, Psycho, all have great hooks to them. 
Muse is all about their frontman, and I don't mean any disrespect to the rest of the band, but when you think of them, you think of the vocals and the guitar, both of which are provided by Matt Bellamy. For this, we're going with early Muse, not earliest, as that was 1999 and would be disqualified, plus it's not very good, but to their second album, Origin of Symmetry. And of course, we have to play Plug-In Baby, because the song hooks you right from the very start. It's gotten a lot of attention from critics due to this opening riff, and I'm just saying that it totally deserves the praise.
Alabama Shakes made a big splash with Boys and Girls, their debut album in 2012. It was a hearty slice of southern fried soul, filtered through an indie rock lens, with more than a small nod to the eternal allure of big meaty guitars, but certainly hinted at the band's potential. Frontwoman Brittany Howard was always a force of nature on the sixth string, but this became undeniably true with the release of their second album, Sound and Colour, and specifically the album's lead single, Don't Wanna Fight. It's just the right combination of funky and chunky. It's pure glam trash that hits just the right way, and rest assured, if the boys and girls from Alabama Shakes ever come back for a third round of Sound and Colour, we should be expecting some more big, chunky jams like this.
I swore to myself that only one pop punk band would feature on this episode and that it would be Blink-182. So yeah, spoiler alert there. But also I was lying to myself because as much as Paramore gets a lot of crap and as much as their recent work hasn't exactly been guitar driven, there's got to be a reason that Misery Business is so damn catchy, right? And I don't think it's anything to do with the vocals. It's the guitar that follows the opening bars that gets you pumped up and excited for something that really does not have any right to be as good as it is. The energy behind this one is what, in my opinion at least, helped Paramore to leave an at least fairly decent legacy. Take it from the top. She's got a body like an hourglass. Stick. 
Haven are far from the best known group covered in this episode, but if you only ever listen to one song by them, my hearty recommendation is to make sure that it's Retina Sees Rewind. The track in question comes from their Planets of Old EP, a release which introduced a new, more thoughtful version of the Massachusetts Metalcore Mavens, but boy could they still ride a catchy guitar riff. The duo of guitarists Stephen Brodsky and Adam McGrath sink their hooks into this track right from the start and never let go from there. The term thrill ride gets thrown around a lot these days. there's any current band that I would have to refer to as a guitar band, it's got to be Blackstone Cherry. Their brand of blues-infused hard rock is absolutely drowning in heavy and just beautiful but simple guitar work. The dueling guitars of Chris Robertson and Ben Wells have led to some of the best riffs of the last 15 or so years without them ever having to be particularly flashy. Blame it on the Boom Boom, Shaking My Cage and Lonely Train would all be great picks, but so is White Trash Millionaire. <laughs> Yeah. 
Tomahawk is almost too good of a proposition to be true. If you are unfamiliar, the supergroup features members of Mr. Bungle, Melvin's, Helmet and Jesus Lizard, making them a 90s weirdo alt-rock dream team for the ages. And one of the upsides of having Dwayne Dennison on guitar is that you are guaranteed to have some sweet, nasty riffs at your disposal. The title track to 2013's Odd Fellows starts the album off with one of Dennison's best performances, lurching, sinister and itching for a fight. If only their most recent album had even a fraction of this fire, then perhaps I wouldn't insist on ragging on it so much. Oh well, this is Odd Fellows.
until their fifth album, 2003's self-titled, Blink-182 were mostly known as being extremely immature and never really taking anything seriously. Looking back on it though, even though I loved Take Off Your Pants and Jacket at the time of its release, I didn't really appreciate it like I do now. The album is a lot more thoughtful and introspective than we ever really give it credit for. When it comes to riffs, the first song by the band to come to mind was, of course, All the Small Things from their third album, Enema of the State. However, first of all, this album was too early, but also it's kind of played out and expected. So instead, I'm going with my favorite Blink riff and possibly my second favorite song of theirs after Man Overboard. I am talking about Stay Together for the Kids from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, a song written from the perspective of a child dealing with his parents' divorce. The song is a lot more bleak than we're used to from the band, and the riff is a lot prettier than pretty much anything else they've done before. It's hard to wake up when the shades have been pulled shut. This house is haunted, it's so pathetic, it makes no sense at all. I'm ripe with things to say, the words rot and fall away. What stupid poem could fix this home, I'd read it every day. Yeah. 
Certain genres are famous for their devotion to heavy guitar riffs, and sludge metal was instrumental in creating a new generation of unabashed amplifier worship in the 21st century. The likes of Mastodon, Baroness and High on Fire have helped to elevate the subgenre standing in the metal community and beyond, but I want to acknowledge some of the lesser known acts that added a little more flavour to Sludge's recipe in the 2000s. I'm talking about the likes of Kylesa, Black Tusk, Zoroaster and this next band, San Francisco's Black Cobra. This is probably the heaviest song on this episode and all of that impressive racket is the byproduct of just two guys. What I dig about this band is that they know how to maximise the impact of a good riff, as they do on Chronosphere.
York electronic duo Ratatat are many things to many people, but I'm eternally impressed at their ability to make guitar music fun and danceable. Yep, you heard that right. An electronic group with guitars. Weird, huh? Their MO has been to dabble in a mixture of electrified and electronic ideas, but things kicked into a higher gear with the release of Cream on Chrome. This was the lead single from 2015's Magnifique, and Mike Stroud's heavily treated lead guitar gives the track a ton of charm, energy, and legitimate rock and roll swagger. So forget everything you think you know about so-called electronic music. This is Ratatat, Cream on Chrome.
Pretty Reckless, the band led by former actress Taylor Momsen, was met with a fair amount of skepticism when they first brought out their debut album Light Me Up in 2010. And yeah, it was fair skepticism. The album was rough. It was immature, but not in a silly way. It just came across as, I don't know, weak, inexperienced. It had good songs, sure, but they weren't exactly masterpieces. They picked things up drastically for their follow-up, Going to Hell, which upped the heavy and sounded a lot more mature, but it was their third album, Who You Sellin' For, which was their peak. Instead of getting heavier again, which their more recent album has kind of slipped back into, it dialed it back a little and focused on the actual songs. There was no posturing about this, and Momsen showed off her growing songwriting skills in almost every aspect of it. The new blend of blues into the music also suited her voice perfectly, and the song Take Me Down still stands out as one of their best, and this is greatly helped by the opening riffs.
And that's going to do it for another episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Outer Limit Frequency. You like the ramblings that come out of our mouths? Well, you're in luck. There are dozens of other episodes available. Just look us up on Spotify. You're guaranteed to find something you like. And since you're coming back next week, you get to hear us talking about... Well, okay, first of all, our feature artist is Dropkick Murphys, and I was going to make it a whole party rock thing, but it's more music that comes on at parties when people have maybe had a little bit too much to drink. Should be good. We'll see you then. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.